Welcome to another episode of the What's Happening podcast, where I interview educators from around the world, sharing their experiences, challenges, and stories and hopes around the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I am in Singapore. Well, I'm not in Singapore, but Jabiz Razdana is in Singapore, and uh, he is a middle school teacher and leader. Uh, I've known Jabiz for a long time, and he shares some of the interesting things that are happening in his in his country, which is uh, which is kind of fascinating, as well as uh, the challenges and uh, that he faces and uh, um, the plans they have in place to support remote learning um, in his school. And so, uh, again, you'll find some new ideas, but also connect with him on some things that you're experiencing as well. So enjoy my conversation with Jabiz Raisdana. Podcast of uh, what's happening, education and COVID-19, uh, trying to get a sense of what's happening uh, all around the world with the way everyone's handling it. And I'm pleased today to... Um, have Jabiz Razdana join me from Singapore. Um, and so we're, uh, I've known Jabiz uh, both online and we, we have met a couple times actually face-to-face in the past oh, a decade or so. So we have been connected uh, in, in, in ways uh, for a while. So I was curious to know uh, what has been happening in Singapore. So why don't you, uh, Jabiz, just start by introducing yourself and tell us uh, who you are and where you are and what you do. Yeah, so as Dean said, my name is Jabiz Reyes-Dana. I'm a middle school English teacher in Singapore at an international school called the United World College, UWC. Uh, I'm also the head of grade, which is kind of a, a leadership role that's similar to, um, we work with vice principals and principals to just make sure daily life for kids, like a dean of students, I guess other schools would call it. Uh, I've been here eight years, and we are are kind of on the brink of going into remote learning, which is a weird position to be in at this stage of the game where the rest of the world seems to have been doing it for quite some time. Well, and let's just start a little bit with the context of, of how the virus is being uh, handled in Singapore. Uh, most of us are hearing fairly positive things about the way the country has handled it. So just from a citizen perspective, uh, give us sort of the overview of, of how it's been dealt with. Yeah, I mean, I guess we kind of, not joke, but we say here that being in Singapore is probably the best, safest place that you'd want to be because we're a small island nation uh, with a pretty thorough and organized government. So, you know, the population is 5 million max. We're basically just a city. And it's really easy to keep people in and out and track their movements. For better or for worse, Singapore is a pretty surveillance-heavy state anyway. (laughs) in the best of right. conditions, like there are cameras and you know, things everywhere. So when you, know, you shut the border down or when you, you know, close airports and track people who come in, it's really easy to do that. So we were able to, a couple of weeks ago, kind of basically the Singaporean government is tracking every case. And we get daily updates on a WhatsApp group from the government, letting us know how many cases there are, how they're linked to other clusters, there's an interesting app here they call uh, the tracing app. And there was a little bit of um, apprehension from people in terms of privacy and whatnot. But what it does, from my understanding, is that it works on Bluetooth. And when you have it on, it kind of traces your contact with other people who have the tracing app. And so if there's a case that pops up in a cluster and you have had interaction with that person through the Bluetooth connection of your phone, it'll alert you and the government that you've been in contact with someone in a cluster that's had it. So stuff like that 
in normal times would be like, oh my God, surveillance, state, privacy, this is crazy. Right. How are we doing this? But in times like this, it's actually quite reassuring because you have a sense that all the cases are being tracked. And, and that's an opt-in uh, kind of app experience? It's an opt-in app experience and they're strongly promoting it. And there's, you know, the fine print is a lot about encryption and privacy and how they're not, you know, lo using your GPS location and how when this is over, it'll, you know, remove everything right. from your phone. So it's, it's a trust situation for sure. Um, right. But, you know, people and again, also say here, they're probably tracking your GPS on your anyway. Right. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, you, this is not a brand new conversation uh, for people in Singapore. And so, uh, and again, if trust has been shown over time, and I think in, in Canada, we feel uh, maybe not to the same degree, but more so than the U.S. in terms of we trust our government a little bit more, quite a bit more, I suppose, than the U.S. And, you know, we're not going to get into the politics of it, but all, to, all that to say, in a time like this, uh, that becomes a pretty critical uh, uh, kind of culture or, or uh you know, posture to have as a country. Yeah, and the, the communication that's coming through, like, you know, speaking of how do you build that trust, it's, it's coming from one source, it's consistent, it's regular, um, you can kind of predict what's coming, it's, you know, it's not wild information coming from a lot of different sources all over the place, it's every day, you're getting information, little tips about what to do, and like I said, up to Thursday, life here was pretty normal. Uh, we weren't all locked down, local schools were open we were on holiday but you could you know there was social distancing and when you went to a restaurant you had to sit um a table or two away and certain tables and chairs were removed etc cetera, etc cetera. but most things were running at 80 percent capacity yeah so we had uh, a spike in cases about two and a half weeks ago where singaporean residents and citizens were coming back from Europe and the US and North America and all those places. So there was a spike because the, the cases of people coming in, um, you know, we had, they had to be let in because they were Singaporean residents and citizens. Right. So that was one kind of spike that we had that shook things up. Uh, at our school, we started thinking about, okay, what's gonna happen if we come back from the break and we have to go remote if things go to the next level. Uh, and then those cases actually evened out, like those cases weren't that many because everyone had to be on a 14-day uh, self-home, what is it called, SHN, stay-home notice. Right. And that's, that's another thing, like some of those people were actually put up in hotels by the government. They were taken straight from the airport uh, to a hotel and forced to stay there for 14 days. Uh, so the quarantine and the stay-home notices were pretty strict and monitored by the government. Um, but then I think... Yeah, I don't know. I think the, the looseness, the local cases then started to spike. So we were looking at like 18 cases a day. That was pretty normal. And then suddenly we were looking at about 30, 36 new cases a day. And then now it's about 50, 60. And those 50, 60 cases a day, about half of them are linked to known clusters. And the other half are connected to unknown clusters. And I think that's what's scaring the government, that those unknown clusters then can kind of multiply. So the prime minister called this the, like a circuit breaker of trying to just take four weeks of just making sure that there are no unknown clusters. So from now until May 4th, we're going on um, kind of an essentials only business is open and everyone is being asked to stay at home. All right, so let's talk about uh, what that means for uh, you and your school and, and, and so forth now again. 
being an independent or uh, um, you know a private school, you, you perhaps have got a little bit more autonomy than um, others. But so, what are what are the expectations for teachers uh, on your campus as far as uh, what this is going to look like for the next month or longer? Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're lucky in a couple of ways. One, we've been watching what's been happening in schools around the world, particularly in our region, like Hong Kong and China, and even Taiwan to a certain extent, have been on remote learning, some of them for eight or nine weeks. And so we're recognizing some of the, you know, optimism and intentionality at the start, and then realizing what that looks like eight weeks later. So... I think for us, our number one priority is reconnecting our community, making sure that our students feel like there's a place where they belong, uh, a place where they feel safe. We don't want to get into the habit of families or students feeling stressed that you know they have a science test due next week. Um, we that students are interacting with each other, they're interacting with their teachers and we have a community that feels like it's moving through this together. So what that looks like exactly, I'm not sure. It's probably gonna be a variety of different things, but we have said, you know, we're gonna to try to move through 60%, even 70% less academic content than we normally would. That's the, the least of our priorities at this point. Right, right. And I mean, it's a similar message that I'm hearing and, and uh, you know, everybody that I talk to. So there's some, that's always great. Uh, that's always good to hear. I'm wondering so far, you know, in terms of, especially in terms of leadership or any other folks, what supports or messaging have you been most grateful for? Maybe it's, you know, certainly tied to what you've already said, but if there's anything specific, you said, boy, that when I heard this, that really made me feel good or feel like we'll be okay. Yeah, I think the, the tricky part is there's, you know, when this happened, as, as often happens on Twitter and social media and the internet, so many resources popped up all of a sudden of, you know, here's a 30 day challenge or here's what you can do for this. And it's sometimes overwhelming and it's not the right context to just grab those things. So we had to go through our own process of what does this look like for us? So before our holiday, we had two days where we got together and, you know, by department and by different divisions and looked at what is this going to look like for us? And, you know, it, it felt like reinventing the wheel to a certain extent, like making resources and, you know, guideline websites for parents and students and for teachers. But I think you have to go through that as an institution to figure out what do we need to do in our context right. to make this work as opposed to just grabbing random resources and thinking it's going to work in your context. So the messaging from our leadership has just been, like I said, it's, it's been calm. It's been, listen, we trust you as professionals and what do you think we should do as opposed to things being top down. Um, and then working in smaller departments and saying, even within a school, even within a division, like drama class is gonna look different than math class. It's gonna look different than English class. Sure. And right. how do you wanna do it to make sure that the kids have the most engaging experience as opposed to trying to get through content or keeping things normal, as, you know, as normal as they, they can be. Right, right. So, uh, and again, I know you, you know, you have probably a lot of advantages in terms of technology and whatnot, but as you sort of think ahead to the next four weeks, six weeks, whatever, what are your, what are you most concerned about just saying, Jim, I'm a little concerned that this is going to go or that, you know, that this may become an issue. We have, I think, 11 weeks of school left. 
So it's, it's not like we're planning an entire year of remote learning. I think that's important to remember. Like we, like we just wanna keep things moving and have um, engagement from students for 11 weeks. And that's, you know, that's not that much time in the grand scheme of things. Um, we are, you know, when I mentioned that we're, we're not doing things that other people are doing just for the sake of doing them, one lesson that seems to come across is that synchronous, um, you know, teaching hasn't really been working, that idea of students following their normal timetable. Um, however, that's, that's how we've chosen to start. And, you know, I, I feel like there is a need to start that way, especially for us, because we just had a holiday and it's going to be really weird to get kids out of holiday mode into school mode, whatever that means right now. But I can't imagine that lasting for very long, because again, hearing from stories from other schools saying that's not the way to go. Um, but having a middle schooler and a fourth grader myself at home, I feel like they need a little bit of a kickstart in terms of routines and habits and schedules. Um, because, you know, we've been just hanging out doing nothing. And now, how do you interact with school if it's not going to be synchronous, at least at the start? So while I, I've heard stories that the synchronous model is not ideal, that's, that's what we've chosen to start with as, as school. And I'm wondering how long do we do that before we realize, okay, this is a bit much, let's back off. Yeah, and, and you know, that's the, the reality is that there's nobody that's an expert in this. Like nobody, even, even though people are, you know, very kind to share, there's nobody out there that says, oh, I've got, this is what to do. And so even though you, you, you know, you, you've raised a good point, people are saying, well, this might not be the best road. No one, everybody's going to have to shift and adjust along the way. So that's just, that's just, I think we have to come to accept that. Now, I know that you mentioned, you know, you've been on a, a break for a couple of weeks and so you haven't really had a chance to dive into this, but as a question, I just am curious about like, are you, is there something that you're either looking forward to or uh, you're wondering about just as a, you know, as a dad and, and a family at home about how your day is going to go? Like, you know, is there, is there something that you're kind of either looking forward to or just think is going to be curious in terms of your own kids or yourselves as you, as you uh, head into this? There's a lot of things in terms of, I think this is this whole virus with the globally has, kind of, you know, highlighted or try to bring about the, the essence and the things that we really value. And so education is no different, right? So it's really looking at what kinds of conversations am I having with my own kids about their learning? Because when it's kind of the business as usual, you know, we're a family where both parents are teachers and both kids are immersed in school life and it's just go, go, go. And there's very little time to sit and talk about what they're thinking and what they're learning in school. It's more like, okay, did you get your homework done? Are you ready to go? Is your lunch packed? And you're just kind of chugging along at a pretty breakneck speed. However, now if we do get to a model where, you know, things are a little bit slower and there are times where hopefully we can have deeper conversations about not necessarily content, but what is it that, what is it that's sticking? I think we'll be able to see that more with our kids, right? So. What are they asking questions about? What are the things they might need help with? And it might give us a clearer picture moving in the future of, you know, every teacher I've ever worked with since the start of my career says there's too much content and not enough time because we're just trying to get through stuff. So I'm wondering if this allows us at our individual schools to really look at what is this stuff that's essential? Like what would happen if we took out 50% of our content and 50% of our units to slow things down? would kids fall behind? What, is, what does falling behind look like? 
And I know there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, kids redoing grades or all that kind of stuff. But my guess is if kids were doing 50% less, they would probably be learning, you know, 10 times more. Yeah, I think we're all going to uh, rethink what time, you know, how time, how we spend our time, and especially in the, in the context of education, like what actually, like to your point, what sticks, what matters. Uh, could we, could this lead to uh, a rethinking of, of what school looks like? And I mean, maybe those are, those are a little bit lofty um, thoughts and, but uh, you know, I, I think we'll have a chance to see this uh, looking back here in a few months. Like in our international context, I don't know how many IB schools there are in Canada and the U S but like IB canceled all their exams. And like that's been the holy grail of international education is everybody somehow working towards the exam score as you know the gateway into university. Well, what's it going to look like this year when we don't have IB exams? Right. That ripples down and say, hey, actually, it wasn't that big of a deal. Maybe we don't have them next year again, or maybe we don't have them at all ever again. And that wasn't the proper indicator or assessment of all learning that kids do over you know twelve years. So things like that make you hopeful that these things, these structures that we thought were so fundamental to how we teach and learn, now that they're gone, we might actually realize, oh yeah, maybe we didn't need <laughs> you know, assessments of that level and kids are gonna be fine. They're still gonna learn and still get to university and whatever, whatever happens next. Well, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of dissertations and research that will be done either during or after this uh, to answer just those questions. So. Uh, lots of interesting things to, to come out of it. Well, hey, I appreciate the time. Uh, I know it's, I think it's Sunday morning over there. So you have a, a day of, of not having to do school. And so hopefully that's a, a time to enjoy. Do you guys now, just one last question. So uh, with this stay at home thing, like, are you outside or are you not really being encouraged to be outside walking around? Uh, no, like I said, we, it's weird. Like restaurants are still open for delivery and takeout. Uh, coffee shops have been identified as essential businesses. So, and people are encouraged. There's a lot of parks in Singapore. So exercise has definitely been encouraged. So, right. you know, not congregating socially in parks, but if you're, I go for a run three times a week or going for walks and just keeping a distance, stuff like that is definitely being encouraged. So we're not on Which, total lockdown. No, I mean, and it's, it's varied here and there. Although I was going to say, I do remember my time in Singapore. I can't imagine anybody running or doing anything in Singapore with, with that. But of course you don't even think about it anymore. You've been there so long. So anyway. Oh, mean... <laughs> well, yeah, but like you know, going socializing and going to people's homes and things like that are definitely discouraged. So that, that yeah. kind of stuff. Stop. So most, we spend most of the time inside. Uh, we're lucky that we live in a condo. We have a really small pool that's still open. So we're crossing our fingers that that doesn't <laughs> that's been that's been fantastic. Well, anyway, I appreciate you taking the time, Jabiz, to Thank chat, you. and I'll uh, share this with others, and you can too. So I hope hope all things go well for you in the next little while. And are you planning to be back stateside? Was that the plan? Uh, no, not this summer. We weren't planning on coming back this summer anyway. Oh, okay. So okay. We're hoping to come during Christmas. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, hope things go well for you. Take care. All the best to you, your family and your, and your team. And you too. All right.